Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Melbourne, Steel Wars is back for three shows only in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Friday, March 30th, Saturday, March 31st, and Monday, April the 2nd at 2pm at the Sub Club in Melbourne City. Plus, there is one weekend of I Love Green Guide Letters podcasts also. Tickets are on sale now at SteelWars.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome to the Steel Wars Call-In Show. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And over the next hour and a half or so, we will be talking about the turbulent world of Star Wars. What an exciting time to be a fan in the wake of The Last Jedi. I, I think easily the most divisive Star Wars movie amongst Star Wars fans in quite a while. Is it the is it the best movie since Return of the Jedi? Is it the worst? Who can say? Absolutely no one, because your personal opinion is just that. But to have a bit of a discussion about The Last Jedi and uh, the new story arc in Battlefront Two, we have got from Star Wars Explained returning guest Alex. How you doing, buddy? Hey, great. Yeah, I decided to come on even though you spent just about all of Collider Jedi Council disparaging YouTube channels. What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. It's just it's, it's okay. Don't get all you know, don't, you don't have to associate with the zeros of the world. I've, 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 I've gushed about my love of the Star Wars Explained channel, so don't go uh, fishing for compliments. I actually uh, gave you, you a, me. I, I gave you a sweet plug, buddy. So uh, <laughs> you did, you did. Any publicity, any publicity, and uh, also on the line for a limited time. So we're very happy to have him. He uh, was part of the writing team for the single-player mode on Battlefront 2. And for layman's terms, for people like me, that means he wrote the story part. Welcome back, Mitch Dyer. How you doing, Mitch? So good. So glad to be here. Ready to talk about Last Jedi, Battlefront 2, all the connections therein. So good. Nice. What, um, Alex, uh, you are a, a, a boffin of Star Wars lore. What were some of the more interesting correlations between Battlefront 2 and The Last Jedi that you picked up on? Oh, well, I mean, I guess the Project Resurrection DLC that came out the day before uh, uh, would have the most connections. And it was really cool seeing, I, I, I guess we're talking spoilers about that, right? So, I mean, the very end where you get to show up at... Dakar and kind of see them preparing to evacuate. You see the Radis, you see the Ninka. That that was pretty neat. And also seeing the very end of the Force Awakens play out from a different perspective. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Nice. I like seeing the um, the compass. That was a just of course just a, a, just a little I don't know just a little cool thing. Mitch, what what, what do you know about that compass, buddy? Well. Not a lot, to be honest. What I can tell you is that when we pitched the Luke Skywalker mission, I, I think we talked about this a little bit, Steel, first time I was on the show, I told you that we pitched this Luke Skywalker mission and that the, the idea we had was so compelling that Lucasfilm said, yes, absolutely, go for it. And the idea we had was, what if Luke finds something in a vault, in one of Palpatine's vaults, that is sort of his first step in putting him on the island at Achto, at finding that first Jedi temple? Um, and for us, that was kind of just the idea we had. Lucasfilm came back to us and said, okay, cool. It's this awesome star compass. Uh, it's going to be in the film. There's going to be a prop. 
and the, it's funny watching the movie now like I've seen it a couple times seen the last Jedi a couple times I'm going again tomorrow it's really cool because I noticed the second time the compass is it, when in the flashback scenes to Ben and Luke it's on Ben's desk and you get to see it in the present timeline in Luke's hut but you can also see it on Ben's desk when he reaches out for his lightsaber so really? that, that compass was given to Ben it, it was it, it was somehow his for some amount of time the temple was destroyed, and Luke recovered it from the temple, and then used it to to do whatever he did. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out next time. It's, I think you get the clearest look at it in the third flashback when Luke is telling you how it really happened. You get a little, just a little glimpse of it, but it's there on the desk on the left side. So what you're that, implying with this is that Kylo Ren was doing a bit of galactic orienteering. Yeah, and I almost wonder if. And obviously, this is now like applying a bunch of significance to a thing that I don't even know what it really does. Uh, I almost wonder if the Jedi were searching for that temple together, or if you know, you know, Han said in the Force Awakens, some say those who knew him best said he was looking for the first Jedi temple. Maybe that's what the Jedi were doing. They were kind of looking for Jedi relics and artifacts and lore and all this stuff that that Lor Santeca is kind of doing as well, right? Like there might be a connection between what the temple was doing, what the Force of Church of the Force is doing. Um, I don't know. Like that's rich, rich, rich storytelling opportunity that I am just itching to know more about. I uh, I like it in Star Wars when characters do what we want to do, like find out more about the Jedi. Yeah, do that, and then tell me. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> what 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 are your thoughts about the Last Jedi, Mitch? Uh, so the first time I saw it, I really liked it. I thought it had some. Um, structural problems and I thought maybe some things were a little confusing or convenient and then the second time I saw it I, I re- that it all crystallized for me and I started to realize that things that I thought were maybe a little bit meandering or maybe a little inconsequential or a little predictable or whatever issues I might have had it, it came into place everything fell into place and it just felt coherent and smart and brave and it felt like a, a Star Wars movie that top to bottom from the beginning always knew what it was going to do and it just trusted you. That's the thing about this movie that I really, really respect is Ryan Johnson trusts you to keep up with everything he's doing. He doesn't spell things out entirely all the time. He lets you draw your own conclusions. He lets you read into things. Um, and for me, I think the overarching theme of the film and something that I'm really glad that we touched on in Resurrection is failure, right? Like the only person in The Last Jedi who gets what he wants is Luke Skywalker. Every other character fails catastrophically and it's not a very heroic movie for our heroes they do get their moments of triumph but I thought it was really fascinating to see Poe make these brash decisions which connects to you know what Aiden and Zay's mission is in Resurrection like they find these dreadnought plans they bring them to the resistance we give them to Commander Dameron and Commander Dameron goes and makes a bunch of brash mistakes that makes (laughs) him really mad uh it's it's and that's like a fun thing for us, but it's also just it's interesting to see that in Resurrection, Aiden's mission is kind of a failure, even though she does get those plans to to Poe, uh, and and the overarching theme of of the Last Jedi being failure, and you see a lot of characters really angry throughout this film. You see like Finn is angry, Rose is angry, Poe especially is angry. Uh, you can see even Haldo is kind of bottling it up a little bit, but she's got a little bit of anger in her too. So it's interesting to see these these sort of negative attributes given to our heroes, but having them overcome them together and because of each other and because they, they see the greater, bigger picture doing things for the greater good is so fascinating. And it feels like such a refreshing change of pace for Star Wars that I was absolutely not expecting. I was totally blindsided by. Loved it. I, I think I have to disagree with your point that only Luke Skywalker got what he wanted. Uh, what about that um, Pog um, protester for veganism? He, he, he got his way in the end. <laughs> That's true. Chewie didn't eat that pork, so he he really got what he wanted. I don't. Why didn't Chewie eat the pork? He was already dead. He's not coming I back. I have I have heard that actually discussed on what podcast? It was Rogue One, and they were discussing how it was disrespectful to the dead pork to kill it and then not eat it. And <laughs> completely I, agree. Completely. I, I just, he already I just, it. I just love that, like, four days out from the movie or how long it's been, I guess it's a week or something, 
but we're already at those discussions. <laughs> I, I think he probably did eat it. I think he just turned his back, and we just didn't see that part. I don't see he Chewie being up, wasteful right? like that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. And I think how, he ate it, but felt bad about it. Luke and he ate it. <laughs> yeah. And and how are you sitting, Alex? I watched a few of your videos directly after the film came out, and and you definitely your eyebrows seemed a little bit singed, much like us all was just like, wow, that's a lot to take in. Uh, where are you at a week later? Week later, and yeah, having another viewing under my belt, uh, I did like the second time around much more. A lot of things that bothered me the first time didn't bother me at all. It's it's weird being like someone that talks about the movies now and there's almost like this added pressure where like I was kind of sitting in the theater to see it the first time and I was like I'm just not mentally prepared for this like I feel like no you have to I, process I, all your own emotions yeah you can process any of the characters exactly and I was like you feel this pressure to like it and then like you also have to remember like oh I got to talk about that and that and that like I can't just sit and enjoy it and then on Monday we went back and saw it and yeah, I mean like all of my expectations were out the window. I just got to watch it for what it was and not for what I was hoping it would be. And the more I think about it and especially the the stuff surrounding Luke, which I think was what was really not sitting well with me at first. Like I I'm starting to really love what he did. It's just that I'm coming off of 20 years of legends lore where you get story after story of Luke and Han and Leia being heroes and saving the galaxy again and again and again. And, and he doesn't do that. And it, it was like a lot to stomach, but now I really love how it all ended with him, how he set himself back up to be a legend. So yeah, a week out, I still don't know where I would put it. Like in my ranking of all the films, I'm still kind of tossing that around, but it's it's definitely a film that I like, and I think it's going to wind up being very important for Star Wars in the future. Like, I, I'm wondering if this is just going to make people have a more open mind when they go into Episode Nine or Ryan Johnson's trilogy. They might have learned the lesson to not hold on to all of those expectations and years worth of theories and stuff. Yeah, one thing Jason and I did a Patreon episode that's going to go up later today, and he mentioned that it's like it's sort of like a, a grueling movie to watch, like like just the emotions that you go through. It's not like the, the fun jaunt that The Force Awakens was. Yeah. So it's, it's and a little bit of the humor is really necessary, right? Like people kind of rag on the jokes like, ah, it's too funny, which is a, a criticism I never really understand. <laughs> but I feel like you need those moments of relief, even if it's just, you know, it's a it's a grim infiltration of the first order ship after things are going wrong. And BB-8 in his trash can like bumps into a wall and knocks off a panel. You just you need those little those little moments to kind of keep it together. Yeah, I my, my first viewing, the comedy was it was a bit rich. But when I watched it the second time, the same with the Canto Bite section, like that seemed to flow a lot better on the second viewing, which I, people I, are very... Yeah, I completely agree. People are very cynical about the whole concept of second viewing. Like, ah, oh, you probably got to see it, you know, another time. And it's like, well, I'm just going to see it. You know, if it doesn't get me the first time, you're done, son. But you are comparing it to a film you have seen a hundred times. So there is a bit of balance that you need that, you know, all these other films you've seen so many times. So you're used to them. And, you know, if, they, if they're going to, you know, go on a, a, a different path, it might take a couple of times just to get into the groove of the movie. I mean, yeah. I'm like, always hesitant of criticisms of William's soundtrack, right? Or any soundtrack in Star Wars. Like, Takino got a little bit of grief for it too. Like, ah, it's not as memorable as Vampire Strikes Back. Like, no kidding. <laughs> I, um, same with The Force Awakens, just didn't, when people commented on the score, I had no idea what they were talking about in the first viewing. I just, that, it, the music doesn't kick in for me until the next time. I'm too concentrating on the story to take in the music. I don't know what it was about this time around, but like, Mitch, I think you actually tweeted out about how the 
March of the Resistance was just so good. And it, that was never really a theme that clicked with me in The Force Awakens. But the really? day after, oh, the, yeah, but the day after seeing it, it in The Last Jedi, I couldn't get it out of my head. I was just constantly humming it. Jedi so I, has uh, a couple <laughs> really great remixes in The Last Jedi as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm a raised theme type of guy. I, that uh, one had me since The Force Awakens. I, I, yeah, I often I often very poorly whistle that one. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to discredit the great work of uh, Jonathan Williams. Uh, Johnny Baby, Johnny Baby. Now, Mitch, tell us about, for, for the layman like myself, what, what, what's going on with this, um, the, the new download story? Just give it to me. Give it to yeah, me. Yeah, man. Without the, the mumbo jumbo that you industry types <laughs> lean upon. <laughs> yeah, the oh, this is the pure Star Wars of it all. So, Resurrection is our, uh, our our expansion, our story expansion for Battlefront Two. So, if you played through the campaign, you now get this this new chap, three new chapters, um, and it's sort of just the it's an Iden Versio centric arc. So, you get to see what this Special Forces commander is up to almost thirty years later, and what she's up to is investigating the murder of her husband with her daughter and Shriv. Um, who's my sweet, perfect son. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're out traipsing through the galaxy, uh, figuring out what's going on as the First Order kind of boils over in the galaxy and that conflict erupts. Uh, it's cool. We get to go to some new planets. We, you know, we go back to Vardos, which is Iden's homeworld, and it's, it's 30 years after Operation Cinder kind of raised it to the ground, so you get to see how that planet's changed and uh, in some ways how it hasn't. You get to go to Asula, which is a big planet where like a moon exploded and made a big asteroid field so you can fly through that and shoot down some people and as we kind of bring it to a close and i'm just spoiling the whole thing we uh we get to board a first order star destroyer and rip it out of hyperspace when it jumps to star killer base and in the process of all this we realize that uh for poor husband has indeed died he's done for and he had stumbled onto as Iden has a first order conspiracy that is uh uh, it's got a little bit of connections to the, the uh, Last Jedi and the Otomok system, and you can see some of that in the, the Cobalt Squadron book. Uh, and you get to learn a little bit about how and where the First Order is stealing these kids from to build stormtroopers, to build their army, uh, to reclaim the galaxy. Hmm. Have you dipped into it yet, Alex? Oh, yeah. I played it the day it came out, and I almost – I was about to send Mitch a very nasty message because I thought that he had killed Shriv. <laughs> I was about oh, to be never. furious. Alex, please. <laughs> I don't know. I don't please. know what you're going to do, what what you're going to, how you're going to rip my heart out. But I, <laughs> I was, I was so worried. <laughs> how could you kill Shriv? What a hit. How could you? Love that dude. Here's the thing is that somebody out there, because this is how Star Wars works now, is uh, somebody's going to look at that character and say, Shriv's pretty great. People really like him. I'm going to kill him. And a different author is going to take Shrip away from us. <laughs> and when the time comes, we rise up. We rise up against <laughs> Greg Rucka or whoever does it. <laughs> I, I, I've got my hashtag ready, not my Shriv. It's, uh, it's good to go, you guys. It, it's good to go. Now, one thing that I wanted to quiz you about, at, towards the end of the, the main game, it, it's, the, it's dropped that they have a daughter. And not much information is brought up apart from that. And, and that sent the fan base into a tizzy, like comparably to this week, very, very small amount of tizzy. <laughs> but back then it was all the talk. Now, was, was that a purposeful uh, ruffling of the fandom's feathers to start thinking about young Ray or just a coincidence? So hilariously, no, it was not intentional. And it, we were so, my co-writer, Walt Williams, and I were so confused that people were inferring this. And it also became really funny because Janina kind of leaned into it. And when she was doing interviews about the daughter, she would say her name rhymes with gray. <laughs> her name is they. So it's got a little bit of a similar sound. Um, but no, it's funny. I'm, I'm trying to imagine a world in which The Last Jedi, <laughs> Ray says, show me my parents. And the, the fog wipes away, and it's just it's Janina, who looks nothing like Daisy Ridley. Uh, so we just we never even considered it as like, a oh, it's a fun misdirect. Maybe we could play with expectations. Because it was just so insane to us that that was a, a conclusion that was being drawn. But, you know, after, after we started seeing it come up multiple times, and people were talking to us on Twitter about it, we started like, oh, man. 
like I understand where these feelings are now coming from because it is a little vague, but it was never meant to be mysterious or like, oh, who's the daughter? <laughs> I, I think that's but even just, with it, the rhyming it, name that, that that raises an eyebrow. The rhyming name. I mean, I I think that's just so indicative of the Star Wars fandom is that if you mention the word daughter. People are like all over it. It's like that's parents, gotta we have be. Parents here, everybody. We got it. We got. So now we need to find a daughter. We have a daughter in Ray. They must be the parents of Ray. I was like, well, I, I, I just that that blew me away. I was like, there's so much evidence against that, and like people didn't even bother to look it up. They were just like, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. I figured it out, and they want to be the first ones. And it's like, yeah, just the, just but, like, ugh. but but it's also. You know, if you just introduce a female character, it's instantly, whose mother is she? Whose mother <laughs> is she? Like, it, it's very, uh, very hard to introduce a new female character in Star Wars now without um, her potentially having um, lost Jedi children somewhere, somewhere out there. Yeah, well, it's the interesting thing now about Star Wars, and I mean, this is maybe uh, hopefully a little bit of insight into you know the way story groups thinks at Lucasfilm is when we were conceiving the story for Battlefront 2, and this is obviously true of The Last Jedi as well, the thinking isn't, okay, how can we connect everything, right? Like, how can we make everything feel as small as possible? The thinking at Lucasfilm is very much about broadening the galaxy, and I think you're going to see that especially in Ryan's new trilogy. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Like, I I feel like I need to, because I do videos on, like, here are all the fun little Easter eggs, and I love doing that, but it's, some people act like that's the end all be all to Star Wars. It's like, no, the connections are fun, but they're the icing on the cake. It's not like it's about the stories and the characters. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the conversation is getting lost in the weeds is there's all these semantic details about how things do or don't work and which characters are on which path and what they would and wouldn't do. But the grander scheme of things, what they're not considering is that something like, like Luke being a, a crybaby is kind of the central criticism of Star Wars over the last 40 years, right? <laughs> so that's pretty in line with him running away and not like having a temper tantrum and just not wanting to deal with anything. Because that's literally the foundation of the character, is I want to go to Taki Station, I want to go to the Academy, I want to leave. That's Luke Skywalker. Yes, he's going to go to this island and be retreating. Yes, he's going to have made a big mistake and not know how to deal with it. Because he, he fell into something many, many, many years both too late and too soon to become a Jedi. He never had proper training, but he also came into it too late, but he was also coming into it at the exact right time. It's this, it's a complicated character who for me feels beautifully perfect in the last Jedi in a way that's heartbreaking. And, and you see the way this guy has suffered over the years and he's, he's wanted to avoid the vanity of the Jedi and heroism and being known across the galaxy. And in the end, his ultimate sacrifice accomplishes exactly that and he spreads across the galaxy like wildfire in the same way that he spread across ours to become this legendary hero known to everybody who did the right thing at the right time yeah i i I think a big backlash to the luke skywalker thing is like wish fulfillment versus like what the hero can teach us through not fully fulfilling the wish and and no one wanted that green lightsaber and uh, a crazy save the day moment more than I. So uh, <laughs> it, it is, you know, more than, you know, probably up there with The Empire Strikes Back, a film that you, it gives you a lot to think. Everything's been repositioned. Now, Mitch, you've got to tell me this. In Battlefront 2, I've heard rumors that I can get some more tally in my life. <laughs> yeah, man. So Tally, Tally Lintra, who, if you remember from the film, is the A-Wing pilot that Poe was kind of in contact with during the bombing run. Tally is a multiplayer hero now. So her A-Wing is now in the multiplayer mode. So you can fly her around Dakar. You can fly her around wherever there's a starfighter assault. And it's fun. Joe Fielder and Charles Soule. Charles writes the Poe Dameron comic, and Joe Fielder uh, worked at Bioshock Infinite. Those guys touched all of the, the Starfighter Assault stuff, and they did some like, really fun dialogue. So they brought, they brought Tally to life in a way that you get a little more of her than you get in the film, right? She's got a few lines, but in multiplayer, she's very chatty. You can Ooh. learn all, a little bit more about her through that. I liked, uh, I liked her enthusiasm. I was, I was very impressed with, with Tally's work, and I, I, I mourn her daily. R.I.P. Tally. 
Yeah, I was bummed right. to see her go out so fast, and just A-Wings in general. I, I was just sad that they all went. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited to have them back. And, you know, she just wiped the floor with your, your bigs, you know, those those old, uh, boring pilots. Don't all right, we can move on. We can move on. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you're going to be. <laughs> sorry, sorry. All right, well, guys, how about we uh, take some calls as far as if you've got a you've got a battlefront 2 question which is just a part of the project which did the single player story mode so he might not be able to help you out with any of the other i don't even know what the other types are called but the battles the verses <laughs> what, what's the other mode called? The Starfighter Assault, the Galactic Assault, the Arcade, etc., etc., etc. Now let's talk story, man. I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm a giant Star Wars nerd. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Let's talk. Let's dissect some Star Wars stories. All righty. Well, let's go to six three zero. Who are you, and where are you calling from? Hey, buddy. It's Tyler Westhouse, and I'm calling from Geneva, Illinois. Ah, oh, you, you're out of Chicago, Who's that man. <laughs> yeah, I usually say Chicago just because. It's what I say when people ask where I'm from, but I've been living a lie, and I'm just going to start admitting I'm from the suburbs. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've had um, a, a bounce of honesty <laughs> as we end 2017. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for us, mate? Well, real quick, I got I got three things, one for each of you as a form of Christmas gift. <laughs> First, I'm, I'm going to start with Alex. Alex, uh, we've been trying to have a business call for the past two days, and I've canceled on you every time, and I'm very <laughs> sorry for that. <laughs> It's all um, good, man. Do you guys just Mitch, want to get through this now? Um, do you want to take this, the time now to do this call? Well, I'm gonna, you might want to say that about what I'm going to tell you. Because, Mitch, i got an axe to grind with you, and I've sort of explained okay. this via our personal text a few times, but you made my girlfriend cry three times with your damn game, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> you man, you made I'm her sorry. cry when, I, uh, uh, when Dale died. You made her cry when uh, the one thing that I'm not going to say happened, but something happens at the end of Resurrection that made her cry. And then when Shriv almost died, you made her cry again. And I'm mad at you. <laughs> wow. I didn't even... So it's funny, too. Our Shriv moment, I assume it's, like, after the crash? Right. Yes. So we we never intended that to be a Shriv fake-out death moment. That was, like, a gag where we were like, oh, it'd be funny if Shriv was, like, crushed under some garbage. And everyone's like, oh, my God, is he okay? Honestly, honestly <laughs> keep, that keep him out of danger. <laughs> yeah, please. That PTSD from that event went into The Last Jedi for me. Because I had, after Snoke's death in The Last Jedi, I just expected everybody to die. So I was totally convinced Finn was going to bite it. And then I thought Rose was dead for, like, five seconds. And the way she looked, and just, like, in my head, in that moment, I thought, like, oh, no, this is just, like, Shriv. So your character had a lasting impact into the last Jedi for me. So consider yourself. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, Tyler. It makes me very, very happy to hear that your girlfriend cried, <laughs> which is a very wow. weird thing to say. But uh, that's it's bizarre, man. Like I never really thought people would be as attached to these characters as they are, and it is so surreal and cool to see people get as emotionally attached as they are. But I don't want to break any hearts. I'm sorry. Well, he already I, did, and she she has choice words for you next time we're in person that I don't want to say on the podcast because they're too explicit. But she's mad at you. And every day until then, bracing myself. Yeah, I, I normally, steal, I'm just gonna say, uh, "What's up, buddy?" I know, I know. I thought I'm gonna say, I normally start crying when I play the multiplayer part of the game because I last about <laughs> four seconds. I get all teary. But uh, what, what's your gripe <laughs> with me, Tyler? I can't wait for this. Yeah. So I got a question for you guys, but I'm going to let you pick which question I'm going to ask. Ooh. I'm going to ask either a Snoke question or a Hux Kylo Ren question. Ooh, I think Steel has to pick this one. <sighs> Let's go the Snoke question. <laughs> the, Snoke que- the, Snoke, the Snoke question. It's not a theory. It's, we, we all know Snoke's dead now, and it doesn't matter what his past or future is, whatever. I did not expect Snoke to die at all. That's probably the most shocking moment of the film for me. I want to know if Snoke had not died, what would you like to have seen his arc be? And what would you have liked to see his potential backstory be if they had expanded upon it at all? Now we need your hypothetical Snoke theories. 
he's Plagueis. There you go. <laughs> I, I when he, definitely when he got killed, it was it was very shocking, and I thought that that moment was when the movie just revved up, and mm-hmm. you know there was a lot to take in in the, the first part of the film with the flashbacks and, and, and Leia doing a spacewalk. And it was sort of just like, wow, there's a lot of weird stuff in this film. But then when Snoke died and they went back to back, oh, oh my God, it was just delightful. I, I never really had a, a good grasp on what I wanted to see happen with his like going forth. I, I I don't know. I, I kind of agree with what they did. That was the most exciting thing to totally, um, you know, change the, the playing field and not have Kylo Ren under Snoke for a third film. I, I think that's the, like the most exciting choice they could have made. What do you think, Alex? Uh, I am right there with you. That is the moment when, I, I mean, that's my favorite sequence in the film is everything in his throne room from when they walk into him getting cut in half and then the amazing fight with the Praetorian guards. Like I'm obsessed with those guys because who knew they were going to hold their own. Usually the guys in the cool armor just get wiped out without a thought, but yeah, (laughs) Snoke, I always thought, I I don't know. In the force awakens, I was like, okay, we got this guy. He just seems like generic baddie. And I, I don't know. I don't know why every other YouTuber, delved into talking about Snoke every other day, but I was just like, I don't really see him as that important every once in a while stuff. in like the aftermath trilogy would maybe hint towards him. So I thought his backstory was just some being that was out in the unknown regions. That was immensely power in the dark side, powerful in the dark side. And then he was kind of reaching out to Palpatine in some way, which caused him to research the unknown regions. If that is what Chuck Wendig was trying to allude to at all uh but yeah when he died i cheered i couldn't believe that they killed him and that's like if you had told me to guess what's one thing you'd love to see that you know is not going to happen i'd be like ah kill snoke get rid of him and it it was so (laughs) thrilling yeah it was so good did you have much of a um do you have any thoughts about where snoke could have gone mitch no, I mean um, we are. Well, we're giving really boring answers to Tyler's question, but like I had, I had yeah, sort of gone great if Kylo would. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, I sort of wondered if Kylo would kill him after he got the island information, and then Kylo. I, I thought the ending of Episode Eight might mirror the end of Episode Seven with Kylo going to the island, and us having another cliffhanger with him on the island instead. Um, oh, geez. So I, my expectation was always that Stoke would would kind of eat it in this film, but I just didn't expect that the how or why would would be the way it is here. And I think what's, what's most fascinating about Snoke's death in this film is that he spends the beginning of the movie mocking Kylo Ren for failing to become the Vader that he had expected him to become. And by the time he uh, is killed by Kylo Ren and Kylo kind of acts out in defiance against Snoke and the rest of the First Order, Kylo is kind of, he's become the Vader that Snoke said he would never be because he did what Vader couldn't do and he killed his master and took over the Empire. Right, he takes over the first order. He becomes the supreme leader, and he he owns it. And it's actually funny. Next time you watch the film, you'll notice that when the the first order arrives at the car, it's not there's no like sweeping first order theme when they show up. It's Kylo Ren's theme. So the first time you see the first order in the Last Jedi, it's Kylo Ren. They belong to him, and they always did. And now it's his arc is taking them forward with this anger toward everything he's learned. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And his catastrophic failures on crate, uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this this lunatic, who is unstable and emotionally volatile, leads this <laughs> gigantic military force across the galaxy. 
Um, so yeah, I have another boring answer of I liked what they did and I didn't have any other expectations at all. <laughs> <laughs> Great snow question, Tyler. I, uh, <laughs> I I did in the first screening think to myself, I'm gonna need another T-shirt. Think, think, and then once I came up with just just, just add the ED, I, I I got to relax and enjoy the rest of the film. I, I laughed so I hard totally, when I saw that. I feel I got to be totally honest. As soon as we walked out of the theater, when Claire and I saw it together, we were just talking about the movie, and we were talking about. I wonder what other people thought of it. And then Claire paused for a second, just like. Oh, I feel so bad for Steel. <laughs> dying laughing. Well, I'm 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 glad you know Claire had a, a moment of joy between all the times that uh, Mitch is making her cry. So she should, yeah. should savor those happy moments in between the cruel <laughs> twists. She's gonna she's gonna uh, need a Mitch writes anything Star Wars ever again. Because at this rate, <laughs> it's just gonna be a waterworks. I'm just going to blame Walt for all of the tears. Uh, I did all the good stuff, and then Walt did all the stuff that made her sad. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess that works. (laughs) Hey, Mitch, was there anything in writing uh, Luke Skywalker in Battlefront that maybe got changed because of The Last Jedi, or was it just the character was so far out from where he ended up that it didn't sort of frame where you went with the character? No, so we we obviously knew a little bit about The Last Jedi going into developing the game and writing the story because we had to connect the pieces uh, for Resurrection in particular. But we also knew we had this compass. We knew it was going to have some connections to the film. But what we didn't know is what Luke Skywalker was, right? Like, the night before we went to see the movie, my co-writer and I were texting each other theories about what is Luke, right? Like, why is he, why is he out here? What is he doing? Is he a monster? Is he powerful in ways that we can't imagine? Turns out that's true. Uh, we didn't really know who he was. And by the time we were exposed to Luke for the first time at Celebration in, I think, April 2016, the script was well underway. We'd recorded a lot of stuff. We were still filming some things, but you know, we had the core of the story was set in stone with Lucasfilm. And it was fascinating to see Luke kind of talking about the Jedi ending and training this new Jedi without much context. But for us, it was, we really looked at Return of the Jedi. We wanted to see this guy who had matured because the character of Luke in Return of the Jedi is drastically different than he is in The Empire Strikes Back. I think people don't appreciate Mark Hamill's performance in that as being as distinct as it is. And we drew a lot from that to kind of have this wizened, emotionally raw guy who had been through a lot recently and and was trying to to find a a better path to peace than conflict. Who is obviously very different than The Last Jedi, Luke, who's like, he's like the most pacifist you could possibly be. Yeah, and and I guess with, you know, Ryan Johnson's unique storytelling which, which is I, I find i found this article with lawrence kasdan from two years ago where he said oh this film's going to be weird like he, he gave everyone fair warning but um <laughs> knowing how far he sort of pushed you know the force and, and the storytelling in the film now do you look back and go oh, i should have pitched some wackier stuff should have been way more out there no and i kind i actually really like our luke now more seeing the film because we, we were always confident that we were onto something. We thought, oh, it sounds like Luke, and Matt Mercer's performance is really good. Um, he's talking a lot about, you know, he's not trying to convince Dell to join the Rebellion. He's just trying to convince him to do better. He's not, he's not trying to convert someone to fight for a different side of the war. He's trying to help him find his own personal peace. And that felt like Luke Skywalker. And it's, it's, it's funny because our Luke, I feel like, is a pretty decent stepping stone between Return of the Jedi and The Last Jedi because he's a, he's on that path toward pacifism a little bit. Like you're obviously fighting stormtroopers and you're fighting these little scritters on Pilio. So he's in conflict, but he's, he's trying to rein it in, right? Like he's not trying to get involved in this work. He's trying to get out into the galaxy and find whatever it is he's looking for, whatever, wherever the compass is going to take him. And he's trying to just get away from it all. He talks about not being here on behalf of the rebellion. He's here for himself. It's, and it's, it, it's a nice little bridge. It's a subtle connection, but I really like it. And because of that, I really am super, super, super proud of what Walt and I were able to do with Luke Skywalker. I think we got really lucky because if, if Ryan had gone in a different direction, man, I don't know if we would have connected as well as we did. 
Yeah, I, I was quite taken aback at, you know, full full props at just how you nailed it. Like it it definitely seems like a good well, thank you. Like depiction of Luke Skywalker after Return of the Jedi, both like you know the acting, the, the you know the animation, and you know a, as you know I don't keep up on you know every advancement in video games to say the least. So I was like, oh my god, this is kind of like watching a, a Luke Skywalker like animated movie. I, I was thrilled. Well, I, for all uh, of your uh, gaps in your Star Wars knowledge, Phil, might I recommend youtubecom Wars Explain. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right on. <laughs> What's your next question, Tyler? Let's move on from that uh, uh, sweet sizzle. Oh, man. All right. So the next question, I think, it, it's also like a future type of question. Kyle Ren and Hux, I think it's very clear that there's going to be some issues between those two. There already are, but in episode nine, I imagine they're going to come into conflict at multiple points. I want to know if what you guys would like to see happen between Kyle and Hux. I've seen a lot of theories talk about how people think that Hux might execute an order 66 of sorts on Kylo Ren. I've seen a lot of people say that they think that Kylo Ren might be the one just to end the first order and Hux might have a attempted failed coup upon Kylo Ren. I find those two characters and their dynamic um, to honestly be one of the, my favorite parts of The Last Jedi. So I just want to know what you think is the future for those two characters in the First Order at large, because I really feel that the future of the First Order really relies on the decisions that those two characters are going to make. I, I sort of, from what I know, Alex, you can help me out with this, but, but Hux is a bit of a... Um... He's a bit of a hoax, isn't he? He sort of just got in because of his dad and then he ended up just killing his dad and maybe he's not... He doesn't really have the skills to uh, validate his position in the First Order. Is that is that an apt... Uh, that's that's honestly kind of where I was going to go with that is that I think that Hux is going to have no problem following orders. I mean... I did, one of my favorite moments of the movie was when Kylo Ren was knocked out and Hux kind of reaches for his blaster oh. and he wakes up and he's like, never mind, never mind. Yeah. Like, I just don't see him having much of a background and I, or a backbone. And I think that's kind of why Snoke, he said, do you know why I keep a rabid cur like in charge? Which, by the way, I love that he says that before the door is closed and like, Hux oh, is yeah, right Hux there. Oh yeah, can absolutely <laughs> hear him. <laughs> so good. Like, I think he's just, he has command of his troops because of his father, but I, I think he's someone that will be able to be kept under Kylo Ren's thumb. Yeah, I, I think it's, am I reading it right, that the guy that was running, that was like the captain of the Dreadnought, like kind of had skills and was getting frustrated because Hux was so useless? Is that, yes, I, I think so. Yeah. Kennedy... He, in the visual dictionary, it does say he was from the Empire. So he's like one of the old mainstays. And he's like, we should have scrambled our fighters, what, five minutes ago. And he's just frustrated that I don't think Hux really knows what he's doing. Other than he has the training protocols, the brainwashing stuff that his father set up. Well, that's what I really like about how they present Hux's theatricality in The Last Jedi, right? Like, he's got that gigantic grandstanding speech in The Force Awakens, and that became who his character is in The Last Jedi. He's doing this big moment with Poe Dameron where he thinks he's in control, and he gets turned into a fool in front of all of the First Order. And then Snoke makes him a fool in front of all the First Order. And then Kylo kind of just beats the crap out of him for the whole movie. I I think it'd be a little bit lame if he was just a punching bag for the rest of the series, or for the remainder of the trilogy. But I'm also, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with Alex in that I think that he does fall in line. I think that he does respect the chain of command. And even though he's, he hates Kylo Ren, uh, I don't think he necessarily had any great love for Snoke. And I think that as long as Hux is in a position of power, he's perfectly happy. I don't think he wants to be the supreme leader. He, he purely just wants that military control and to be able to continue being as theatrical as he has been to, to kind of show and, you know, wave his ego around 
Yeah, theatrical. That's one way to look at it. Hey, uh, Tyler, <laughs> we better hustle on and just get a, a call in or two before Mitch has to bail. But uh, happy holidays to you and Claire, mate. Yeah, happy holidays to all of you guys. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. Alex, we will, uh, Alex, we will have a conversation at some point that's not on the podcast, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> all right. See you guys. Happy holidays. See you. Bye. A very ominous way to leave the conversation. We will have a conversation we'll in the future. Um, Tyler, of course, heads up the uh, Star Wars Podcast Alliance Facebook group on Facebook, where all the best Facebook groups are, funnily enough. Hey guys, just before we wrap up the regular portion of the show, I just wanted to let you guys know what's happening on the Steel Wars Patreon Content Club feed. For just $3 support a month to help keep the podcast going, as a bonus, there is the Patreon Content Club feed, which features multiple bonus shows a week. And in the aftermath of The Last Jedi, there is plenty to listen to. There is the very first episode of the very special new show by my wife, Jacqueline, called Jukelin Strikes Back with her and her friend Blondie. They do a complete, slightly wine-infused breakdown of The Last Jedi. People have been loving that. There is an in-depth analysis of the reaction to the reaction of The Last Jedi on the new Making Steel Wars with me and MakingStarWars.net's Jason Ward, one of our most popular regular shows, and the Robbo Report, notorious call-in show caller. Robbo has been given his own Patreon show, and the second episode breaks down his highs and lows of The Last Jedi. Tons of great content. There'll be a Q&A all on The Last Jedi, which you guys can ask questions of if you're a Patreon supporter going up this week. And you also get the bonus portion of this and every call-in show we do. And on this episode, we go another half hour taking calls and me quizzing Alex from Star Wars Explained with a few pressing Star Wars questions. I'm super proud of all the bonus content we supply our Patreons, and now is a great time with so much to talk about to give it a test for a month for just $3. Hit up patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. Let's go to, I believe it's California with Patreon contributor Rashad. Are you there, buddy? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey. What is happening with you? How are you uh, dealing with this post-Last Jedi world? Well, it was quite a wallop. Um, by the way, I really loved your episode with Jacqueline when you guys were driving to the airport or whatever. That was really cool. So did I. Yeah. And, uh, oh, thanks. Um, it does get it. It's a little bit emotional. Oh, for sure. It's a very emotional experience, that's for sure. The, but I, I kind of feel like she did. Like, the first time I saw the film, I was just, like, shell-shocked. I didn't know what I saw, how I felt. I missed a lot of things. And then I think I saw it a second time, and kind of the stuff that was really jarring for me the first time, I kind of saw it. And it was one of those things where I kind of missed the forest for the trees the first time. And then the second mm -hmm. time, you saw the bigger picture and how everything fits. And uh, I really, I really like the movie. I think it's very, very good. And the more I talk about it, the more I like it. I still think it has some issues, but it's like not the end of the world. And uh, what, do you have a question for us tonight? I do. I actually have a question for Mitch. So I'm very glad that he's still here. Nice. Hey, how's it going? Happy to answer. Good. How are you doing, man? So, um, I'm at home on regarding the now, the... and I'm seeing Star Wars with my dad tomorrow. That's good. <laughs> nice um, I had a question regarding the single player story do you have plans to continue it are we going to get further um, chapters in the story with the season and if so are they going to be tied into the seasons at all or are they going to continue kind of along its own trajectory so nothing to announce in terms of future stories for Battlefront uh, what I will say is that Aiden's story obviously is, is complete 
Um, we did want to bring that to a fairly conclusive ending. We didn't want to leave anything hanging with Aiden. Um, mm-hmm. And I think going forward, looking at the opportunities of stories available for Zay and Shriv um, and anybody else, I think that there is a there is a rich pool of stories to be told that I would love to be involved in. Uh, but I just I don't know necessarily what the next steps are, right? Because I was as surprised as you were when I was watching The Last Jedi to see that the allies in the Outer Rim that Leia keeps talking about in the film that Zay and Shriv went to find aren't coming. New phone, right? Like. Yeah, it was like, it, it totally blindsided us because we thought, oh, that's going to be, you know, maybe episode nine is the Outer Rim comes together and it's like all out war. And now it's like, no, they aren't coming. Cool. Okay, so what does that mean? Like the mission that Walt and I thought Zane and Shriv were on is not the mission they're on. And now I'm like, ooh, what is it then? <laughs> like starting to think about Yeah, I mean, I, nothing to announce, but I obviously – have a great deal of love for our characters and I would love to keep writing Shriv for the rest of my life. I, I hope the same. He's amazing. Uh, you got anything else, Rashad? Well, I guess I have a general Last Jedi question for all of you. What do you think is your favorite line from the movie? Hmm. Ooh, this Ooh. is a good question. Dang. Oh, I man. Ten minutes of radio silence, as we all think yeah, we're gonna think. I'll say that the, something that just popped into my head, and I, it's not my favorite line, but something that I really like that they did is the way that Ryan Johnson got. I have a bad feeling about this end of the movie, and it was it implied that BB-8 said it. And I think if they're going to continue these Star Wars traditions, I like that the filmmakers are going to get very creative with how they insert them, so that it's something to catch and not just like, oh, they're he said it, but having BB-8 say it, I thought was very funny. But now I'll have to think of an actual line. <laughs> we try yeah. to do that too, right? Like our our version of that is, "You have a bad feeling about this." Lando right? Yeah, exactly. And we wanted to do just a little little something different. I guess I think mine is it's just a, it's a sentiment, right? Like it's a couple characters saying a couple lines, but the complete thought of Leia talking about hope is like the sun. If you can only believe it, when if you only believe in it when you can see it, you'll never make it through the night. Is such a beautiful representation of hope, um, and I think Ryan is really good at capturing the ideas of Star Wars in ways in ways that are just beautiful and clearer and better than they've ever been. Especially the Force, the way Luke and Ray talk about the Force is it's it's spiritual, but it's clear and it's interesting. And I'm I'm a big fan of the way he talks about Star Wars concepts. I love the bad feeling about this from BB-8. I think that show, that it, it's sort of like a good, like, representation of what he did with Star Wars. It's like, here's all the stuff, but we're totally, we're not, we're not, we're going to bend the rules. We're going to see where we can go. So I, I thought that was cool. I'm, I'm glad it was in there somewhere because I, I was a little bit disappointed when afterwards I was like, hey, yeah, that wasn't in there. But Rashad... <laughs> Uh-huh. Don't cheat. You thought of the question. What, what's what's your line? Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I, I kind of have two, but it's kind of tied between at the very end when Luke, right before he's about to be like struck down or whatever, and he tells Kylo, if you strike me down in anger, I'll always be with you just like your father. I love that line. Mm. Um. And then the other line I really like, it's, it's a stupid thing, but I've seen like a somewhat compelling argument about it in the throne room when Ray and Kylo are kind of alone and they defeated everybody through whatever space juicer. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like you realize like, Oh, Kylo didn't do this to jump sides. He did this to try and convince Ray to join him. And there's a moment where he's having this conversation and he just reaches out and he's like, please. It's like a very sincere, like, Rashad, yeah. the one that I was going to say, Oh man, <laughs> yeah, sorry, my please. but no, that, that's good. That's it's like right. the moment. Yeah. That's the moment that like, you really see the depths of Kylo's character and he's like reaching out. He's, there's a human, there's some sort of empathy there. He's just a monster. <laughs> That entire scene is so good, too, because it's basically a breakup after all of their uh, their forced time phone calls, right? Like, he's he's begging her to come with him, 
and she just keeps saying, Ben, don't do this. Ben, don't do this. And it's, it really genuinely feels like a breakup at the end of a relationship to me until they come face to face with their, like their actual force connection after Luke is gone on crate. Yeah. The, I, I love the, um, when he says, I will not be the last Jedi. I'm not sure if I'm getting that mm. word for perfect, but I get, I get pretty invigorated when he says it. I, I am into that. And I also love, just for the comedy of it, when Kylo Ren goes, you're no one, nothing. And just, like, he just, he's to be sentenced, just speeds up. I just adore that, how he's just like, <laughs> he's so petulant, just like, you're nobody, nothing, no one. Or I'm getting it, I'm not getting it spot on, but just, <laughs> Just how he sort of like no, he, follow, he follows up on it way too quick. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like I, I like uh, Finn when he says "May the Force be with you" to Rose. Like that's just <laughs> what celebs say. That that cracks me up every time. Yeah, just like a signal of like, all right, that's here's the catchphrase now. Uh-huh. Move along. His Nothing smug little nod. Yeah, please leave. <laughs> so good hey uh rashad thanks so much for your call my man always a pleasure and thanks guys uh we will be doing a live steel wars back in la for you to attend on the 13th of uh january back at scum and villainy at 3 30 so tickets will be going on sale for that probably just after Christmas, or maybe just before, but you'll know. So Fantastic. I'll see you there, buddy. I will be there. Uh, happy holidays, everybody, and may the force be with you. Thanks. May the for- may the force be with you. I just I just giggled and let you walked off. Then I, I, I just left the uh, <laughs> escape pod. Uh, it, it works no matter what you do. What um in watching the the film, Mitch, did you have any like? video gamey ideas like i'd love to tackle that oh man yeah i mean it's i i would love 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 to see uh the dreadnought assault as a starfighter assault map or something or a Mm. single player mission or something because it's the 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 idea of assaulting a capital ship like that with just poe dameron right he's got that (laughs) that accelerator he's bombing on against the the guns he's taking out the surface cannons clearing the way for these bombers that's just such a cool video gamey thing right like it feels genuinely tactical but it also feels like phases of a multiplayer match to me it was just so so cool um and the dreadnought's such a terrifying ship that i would love to see more of it in in space battles um what else i mean crate is obviously such a striking plan i was really happy that we got to see it in battlefront 2 especially because uh and i talked about this a little bit um, at one point, you know, we had this idea for a planet that had uh, crystals underneath it, and they would like punch through the ground, and you would see them, and it was like it's very crystalline. And uh, Lucasfilm was very quick to tell us that that is just definitely not an option. We're sorry, we need to figure out uh, a different biome for you guys for a, for a new planet. And we were super bummed because we really wanted that to be in in the game, and now it is. <laughs> that planet was in the last Jedi. It was first all along. So it's just cool that uh, it came full circle that we had this idea that they also had. And in the end, it made it its way into Battlefront 2. Is it hard to figure out new biomes? Because, like, I'm always wondering, what else could they make a planet full of? And then you did Pilio, and it's like this coral planet. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Like, how, how long yeah, did you deliberate on that? It's not the only coral planet in Star Wars. I think the first episode of the Clone Wars has a coral planet, but it, it looks completely different. We came up with a lot of stuff like different kinds of forests with different stuff. That uh, it's funny we had a crossover a little bit with the um, uh, remind me of the Galaxy's Edge planet starts with a B. Uh, we're such bad Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so the Galaxy's Edge one, theme park planet. Uh, we pitched something similar with like stones coming up over trees, and and again it was just like, ooh, that's actually in production already. So it is. It's tough to come up with like. I mean, you look at Rogue One, just, just shooting in the Maldives was such a great idea. Like, let's have a tropical planet, right? Like, you haven't really seen that. And when it comes to Star Wars, it's there's nothing earthly about the places in those movies. There's It's it's a single biome across the entire planet. It's always city. It's always desert. It's always ocean. It's coral. It's things like that, right? So 
coming up with something that is refreshing and different, but also singular is really hard. (laughs) Try to come up with a Star Wars planet and like impress yourself. It's really hard. I I drove out at Thanksgiving to Yuma and I visited where the Sarlacc pit was. And then we drove up to the Grand Canyon and, and some of the, the rock faces in those national parks are like, they seem pretty ripe for a sweet planet, like with all the, the petrified forests and stuff. I, I, I definitely, I kind of felt like, how come like a, a 60s episode of Star Trek should have been filmed out here or something? <laughs> it probably was. It, it probably was. That's where that lizard really got a beating from, from <laughs> her. <laughs> Mitch... Thanks so much yes, for coming sir. on the show. I, I know you're super hectic. Yeah. What, what is your... The, the game comes out. What, what, what does your job become in, in the weeks after the release of a game? What, what's going on? Are you just putting your foot up at the office or you, you just... Uh, got your little... I basically just spent the vast majority... that We launched and then I just kind of watched people play it on Twitch. Like, <laughs> especially all the people that I knew, like... I watched Alex and his wife play a little bit. I watched uh, this this cosplayer uh, named Bria, who'd been very adamantly and excited about Aiden the whole time. Uh, you know, I followed her on Twitter. She's Chaos Bria. I'll give her a shout out. She was so excited about Aiden and the costume and the character for so long that every time she streamed the game, I was like, yes, I have to watch Bria play. <laughs> it was like surreal to see people reacting in real time to the moments you knew were coming. And you were like excited to see if people would laugh at that joke. But I guess it's also, you know, I'm, I'm, I love doing stuff like this. I love getting to finally sit down and talk to you guys now that you've played the game and we can just have really, really long and honest conversations about Star Wars stories and how these characters all fit and where they're going and that kind of stuff is, it's the most exciting thing because now it's out there, right? It's, it belongs to the people now. It's not ours anymore. And that's a, that's a really strange and wonderful feeling. Well, to your credit... You created new characters, which, you know, many fans find very endearing, and you used old ones that didn't offend people. So, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, man. That was very exciting. Dude, I got to write uh, Lando lines for Billy D. Williams. How crazy is that? <laughs> Just throwing that Lando. I would absolutely, I'd play some DLC of Shriv and Lando, like their previous missions that they talk about. Like I would, I'd oh play that goodness. in a heartbeat. <laughs> Let's start a grassroots campaign yeah. right now. I, I'll do Let's it. Just have like <laughs> five years of single player story that is just driven Lando. Yeah, I'm not sure how playable it would be, but I'd like one of those missions just to go to the bar together and have a chat. I don't. I just. I just want to oh, see him be mates. You know. I have so many ideas for games that are just sitting in a bar. Let's make this work, Steel. We, we're going to do this. <laughs> You're talking to me. My friend Marty and I have been conceiving of a game at a bar for like five years. Oh, as long as you're not spending the five years conceiving the game at a bar, you might get somewhere in life. That's, that's all I have to say there. <laughs> uh, Mitch, where can the good people of the internet track you down on said interface? Yeah, I, the vast majority of all of my uh, internet vomiting is at Mitchie D on Twitter, M-I-T-C-H-Y-D. Uh, that's kind of just my that's my my internet name everywhere, I guess. So search that, you'll find me. Um, yeah, Twitter's probably the best way. Come talk to me about Battlefront. Send me your Shriv fan art. Uh, I know there's a lot of it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, thanks so much, mate. Have a great holiday. It was it was. Hey, so cool too. of you to Thanks come back on the show. It was, uh, it was cool to talk to you, Alex. Glad, glad we got to finally do a show together. Yeah, me too. And, um, and, 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 you know, much like, you know, other people that are involved in the creation process, I think it's very cool that we get to interact with, you know, people making Star Wars on Twitter. So thanks for, uh, having a sip at times and, uh, uh, <laughs> still hanging out with us. Absolutely. All righty. Cheers, man. Have a great one. Happy holidays, boys. Talk soon. You too, Mitch. Bye-bye. Nice. Now, we are going to keep going for a bit of bonus time for the patrons. And uh, I've got got a few questions 
a few canony questions for uh, Alex to tackle. I've um, I've been thinking a lot about R2D2's map and um, why it's got the missing piece and what The Last Jedi might mean to that. And I want to discuss that with you. And uh, we've got a few people on hold as well. So if you want to become a patron, it's just $3 a month and you get the bonus shows and the other separate bonus shows, just in the next 24 hours, there'll be a new Making Star Wars or Making Steel Wars, sorry, with Jason Ward from Making Star Wars. And we'll be talking about their reaction to The Last Jedi. And there's a new episode of the Robbo Report that we just recorded. And we get Robbo's unique take on The Last Jedi and his disgust at the use of slow motion in the film, which I didn't even <laughs> notice at all because I just had my mouth open giggling at what was about to happen. So uh, check that out at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. Uh, Alex of Star Wars Explained, tell the great people where they can track down your very comprehensive YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, just go to youtube.com and type in Star Wars Explained up at the top, and I should be the first thing that comes up. That's it. <laughs> nice. And again, if you haven't watched any of Alex's videos, go to that canon what, what is that video called that goes through the entire canon uh the canon timeline uh yeah i think it's just called star wars the complete canon timeline and it's something that this past year it's the first year i did it for the canon i did one for legends but now i just decided every year on may 4th i'm going to update a video that keeps track of the entire story of star wars and the entire galaxy kind of like a history book would present it if I don't talk to you before um, the holidays hit, everyone, have a great holiday. Stay safe. Uh, enjoy your friends and family. And as we go on into Patreon bonus section, may that force be with you. Alrighty, we have got 619 online. Who are you calling from? Hey! It's Brittany. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. I I could have told you who it was after the signature. Hey! (laughs) Hey, you guys. If you've stuck along with the episode for this long, then we're obviously doing something right. So tell the world by going onto iTunes and leaving us a sweet five-star review. It bumps us up the rankings, vouchers to other potential listeners that we're doing good stuff, and also makes your host feel warm inside. If you have a couple of seconds to spare to post one up, I'd really appreciate it, and I will see you on the next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.